Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Cricket People podcast. I'm the host of the podcast, Jonathan Northall, and this week's podcast is dedicated to women's cricket. I have spoken to Francis Mackay, who plays for Canterbury in New Zealand, and Mary Waldron, who plays for Malahide in domestic cricket, as well as representing Ireland. Both have additional careers to their playing one. Francis is growing her reputation in commentating on radio and television in New Zealand, whilst Mary is an international umpire who is on the ICC's development panel. Before we get into this week's episode... I would like to tell you about the people who are supporting this series of podcasts. Serious Cricket are specialists in all things cricket, including personalised teamwear, equipment and coaching. They are one of the biggest personalised teamwear suppliers in the UK, working with over a thousand clubs. The first guest on the podcast is Francis Mackay. Having played for the White Ferns from 2011 to 2014, Francis suffered a back injury and has only recently returned to the White Ferns setup. Francis had a sublime domestic season which culminated in being named as the Burger King Super Smash Women's Player of the Year at the annual New Zealand Cricket Awards. To start the interview, I was interested in finding out how Francis first became interested in cricket. Oh, good question. My my earliest memories are playing at primary school. Uh, I went to a really small primary school in, in Burnside Primary and... Um, there was uh, what we did every every lunchtime was was in the winter we played rugby in the summer we played cricket we had a wonderful groundsman who I mean we thought they were fantastic pitches but it was just the grass mowed a wee bit shorter out in the the middle of the the school playground and it was always a battle to to get the stumps and the bat if you got the stumps first you you got to be the wicket keeper if you got to bat you got the bats first you got to be the batsman if you got the ball first you obviously got to be the bowler and the rest were were relegated to field. So kind of started off there and, and those are my, my first memories of, of playing cricket and then I've been told that uh, one of the teachers at school who was an ex-cricketer herself, she, she said to my parents that maybe uh, I showed a little bit of talent for the game and a bit of love for the game and maybe they, they should look at getting me involved in some club cricket, which they did and I would have been maybe seven or eight years old at the time and, and I've just played ever since. So is, is there a pivotal moment when playing cricket that you decided it was something that you, you, you wanted to pursue and obviously achieve the heights that you have? I'm not sure there was there was one specific moment, if I'm honest. I think it's a game that I, I always enjoyed. I played a lot of sports growing up. I played rugby and, and basketball as well. And, you know, ending, ending up five, foot, five and a half on a good day, basketball was probably never going to be my, my true calling. So the, the ambitions for that slightly slightly waned off. But it was probably once I got to my my early teenage years that I, I started making Canterbury Ripsides, I started seeing the, the pathway that was probably available to me and, and just fell in love with uh, the little nuances of the game, the fact that you, you're never going to come close to mastering it and yeah, I just, uh, I guess I turned into a bit of a, a cricket geek, I was, I was always watching it and, and reading about it and constantly involved in it and badgering my dad to, to take me down to the nets every night when he got home and I mean his, his shoulder I think still is recovering from those days but yeah I, I, I just it's all the little things about that, that I guess I really enjoy and still enjoy to this day and, and just yeah it's just it's a really unique sport that I mean sometimes it puts you through the absolute ringer sometimes it's it's a horrible sport to be involved in and but I guess the, the thing that keeps you going is, is it's just that, that love of everything about it and, and the good times are exceptionally good that's kind of what gets you through the, the bad times with it and, and I guess that's what makes your success even sweeter is the amount of failure that you do have in cricket especially as a batsman means that when you have a good day you, you really do enjoy it. That, that pathway that you talk about 
took you right to internationals and between 2011 and 2014 you played quite extensively for, for the White Ferns and that included um, the 2012 Women's World T20 and 2013 it was the, the Women's Cricket World Cup in India. What was it like at that period to actually achieve the goal of playing for New Zealand um, and, and then obviously keeping your place in the team? Yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one. It's probably, uh, looking back on it, I probably got selected for New Zealand slightly too early. I got selected on the, my first kind of breakout domestic season when I was when I was 20, and, and I probably hadn't had the, the experience of, I guess, had a deal with, with the pressure of it come with top-level cricket, had a deal with uh, the failures that come with it, because I'd probably gone from being a, a junior member of the domestic side, and obviously I had expectations of myself to do really well, but but those expectations probably weren't shared by everyone around me to the same level, and, and you know, I hadn't really had a, a bad domestic season, a bad form. I'd just slowly been getting better and better with every season, finally had a, a wonderful season which led to selection, but yeah, just it, it probably when I first played international cricket, I probably didn't quite feel like I quite belonged, I think I looked around at other players and, and thought they were so much better than me, and, and whether that was true or not, definitely how I felt, felt like I really had to prove to, to teammates and to coaches that I really belonged there, and, and it just I guess ended up a lot of wasted energy and and I really enjoyed, I loved being part of it, but there was a lot of, of stress and pressure I put on, on myself as well, which meant that, that probably some of those experiences uh, I didn't maybe enjoy to the fullest. I really loved, I love going to the, the subcontinent, I think. Uh, they're just the most wonderful countries to tour and so different to home that, that they are just brilliant. And, and I try and right into the, the local lifestyle and eat like a local and all that stuff but yeah I think probably looking back and, and benefit of hindsight I mean I was out of the international setup for almost four years I mean almost five years sorry and, and so you get a bit of that period of reflection to look at it and and think maybe there's a few things that, that I could have done differently so yeah it was nice to at the start of this year get back into international colours and fern on the chest and, and have a second go at it unfortunately it didn't quite last as long as I would have liked but um, yeah hopefully there's, there's a third go at it down the line You've had I think it's safe to say a fair share of injuries maybe maybe more so including having to have back surgery is that one of those things that people that play sport at a high level that the, the potential is there or is it, do you feel that that your body's been particularly vulnerable to to injury over over the, the last few years yeah, it's a bit of both. It's definitely a bit of both. I think as soon as you're a, you're a sports person, you're, you're putting yourself out there to get injured, and I don't think there's there's many sports people that that can't point to a moment where they've had a reasonably serious injury. I think uh, I've definitely had my fair share of, of bad luck with you know, broken arms and broken thumbs and stuff like that. It's meant I've, I've missed a good chunk of cricket, but... Yeah, I, th I think probably, if, if I'm being honest, I'm not the most uh, athletic person in the team and, and it means I've had to, to put my body through the ringer a bit to make sure that it's up to the, to the rigours of international and domestic cricket, which which means I'm probably always towing that line of line of injury. But yeah, the, the back injury was was not a fun one. It was, it was just a really, uh, that was a really random 
um, just doing a fitness session and basically just just blew one of my discs uh, to pieces and then spent the next 18 months trying to rehab, trying to keep playing and then got to the point that um, yeah, I was having pain down the legs and numbness in the, the feet and stuff so, so I had to get under the knife and fix that and, and that really, I mean, I guess you just you learn to live with the, the pain that you've got but yeah, after that operation it was kind of a, a whole new life I could put my shoes and socks on which, which sounds ridiculous to people but yeah, there were points in the, in the season that I'd turn up and before I'd done my warm up and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, actually, I can't put my own uh, own spikes on today, so having to get teammates to come in and help with that." So it sounds ridiculous now that I, I tell people about it, but that's kind of you just get into that bubble of of preparing to play and wanting to play and wanting to help the team as much as possible. So yeah, I think that was that was a massive a massive injury. took took a long time to to rehab and recover from that, and probably this season felt like I. I finally was back to, to pretty close to, to peak fitness and, and peak ability to hit some good form and, and had a really outstanding domestic season and then another freak injury just rolling my ankle and, and doing some pretty serious damage and I had a, a physio student who, who was working with uh, my Canterbury cricket physio and he, he decided he'd do his kind of end of degree project on this injury because no one had basically ever seen it before and, and he was very delighted to tell me that in New Zealand it makes up 03 to 0.5% of all ankle injuries so I, I think yeah he, he was chuffed to hear it and I was probably a little, little less excited to hear his fun fact about kind of just how unlucky I had been. On that subject of, of your your form in the 18-19 season it, you really did smash it to all parts obviously culminating it in, in a final appearance um, in the Super Smash not quite being able to get up against Wellington but what do you think was the the contributory factors for for your your form Frankie was it was it was it a fitness or do you think just everything just clicked and it's again one of those things that sports people can't always put a label on it just it just happens yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of that. I think once once you with the how condensed our domestic season is here in New Zealand, I think once you get in form, it can be at times quite easy to hold on to that. You're playing a lot of cricket in a reasonably short space of time, so that I think helps. <laughs> Conversely, when you're out of form, it feels like the worst thing in the world because you're having to pick up the bat and, and go and play every every few days. But yeah, I, th- I think there were a few factors. I think I, I'd kind of I've been around for a wee while now, and and one of the experienced heads in the group and, and that kind of just just impacts the way you play your cricket as well I think I've got a, a much better perspective to it, enjoy my successes along the way whether they're, they're big or small rather than kind of seeking that elusive perfection that means you probably always leave cricket feeling a wee bit disappointed and, and understanding the role as well we've got a really young side and, and being a captain and, and leader of that group is, is how you, you want I guess them to play their cricket in a, in a bit more fearless and competitive, I guess, way of going about things. So, so if you're going to ask that of young players, it's about driving that yourself and, and being prepared to ask questions and be questioned and, and open to learning and, and all that stuff. But yeah, I think I think it's it's a lot to do with that. And I was also probably starting to plan for, for the end of my career as well. I was very conscious of having been such a long time since I'd played for New Zealand uh, about making sure I wasn't 
Um, you know, I like the captaining, opening the batting, bowling my overs most games that I wasn't actually getting in the way of, of opportunities for some of our younger players. So it was almost probably at the start of the season I was looking to, to step back in, in terms of my playing role a little bit. But uh, coach twisted my did my arm to, to have a good crack at, at trying to play for New Zealand again and trying to have a really good season and, and lead from the front in that way. And, and yeah, I, I don't think I necessarily started the season well. I think I scratched around a wee bit, um, but but it's a useful skill, I guess, to have. I, I scored 100 quite early on in the season, and, and it definitely wasn't free-flowing and, and probably very nice to watch, but it's a nice skill to have to be able to get through that. And, and one of my teammates and good friends kind of said to me at, at the end of that inning, she said, hey, you know what, early on, you know, like just bat like you do at the back end of the innings. The way you're batting there is is so good. There's no reason why you can't do that at the start. I think that, and she kind of said, the only person who thinks you can't bat like that the whole way through is you. We all think you can do it. We all know you're good enough to do it. You're the one putting this this handbrake on yourself. So I kind of yeah took took that on on board a wee bit, and, and I guess it just freed me up to go out there and and play. And, and I've kind of cited that it's just going out there and and see ball hit ball is, is a little bit too basic. It's it's not quite the exact thing that that's going on, but it's it's about for me being really well prepared. I've done the work for a lot of years and that's that fitness stuff and, and hitting a lot of balls and being really clear in, in my own plans of how I want to go about it so then when you do get down in the middle it is just an instinctive reaction and you can just play on on that instinct that, that's been built up for a number of years and that's where I think with that really clear mind that you do start to see some really impressive results and then we got on a bit of a roll as well which is always nice as a team and, and a bit of TV coverage and getting involved in the commentary and, and involved in trying to really promote women's cricket I think had a really positive effect all the way through and, and to me I think that helped dictate a wee bit how we, we played our cricket and how we wanted to be seen and, and I think that just had some really positive results and look it's always it's always nice to, to go out there and score runs and take wickets it's why we play, it doesn't always happen as it is, but yeah, I think I just I just really enjoyed being in good form, playing on good wickets, being able to showcase the the women's game to to New Zealand as well. Now I've heard that you're quite superstitious as a player, and I, I guess I was just wondering was one of those superstitions working well this season? So what kind of things do you do you do when when you're playing cricket? Oh, there's there's probably a few to list, but uh, it's just. I think they're, they're pretty simple things that people remind me that I might be the only one that do it that that does it, and it's you know it's it's the the same pairs of socks, the the same sports bra, the same. I mean, people call them lucky underwear. I don't know if it's lucky or if it would just be unlucky if I wore something different. Uh, the same thing for breakfast every cricket morning, even when we're away from home. I travel with my own breakfast supplies so I can make sure that that's one of those things that's. And nice and controllable and yeah there's there's a few I mean the old everything goes on the left side of the body first and yeah that, that kind of thing but I think I've probably got a little bit uh, less maybe less superstitious as as time's gone on and, and may, but maybe it's just the fact that those things have become so routine now that, that I don't notice them to the same extent I guess it's all positive getting in, in the right mental state so as you say if you're repeating those patterns you feel that that you're ready to play 
whereas if something's not quite right, as you say, socks or something, it, it, it must it must be quite disconcerting. Yeah, I think it's just, especially as, I think as a cricketer, but especially uh, with bat in hand, you take any bit of luck you can get, and if you can uh, if you can trick yourself into into thinking you've got 1% more luck than the person next to you, or, or today's going to be a good day because of, you know, using a certain toothbrush or, or your lucky pair of socks or anything like that. I think if you if you're in that mindset that, that things are going well for you, that you set yourself up to be successful, that you're ticking all these wee boxes along the way, then, yeah, it's almost a, a trick of the mind because, yeah. look, you, you need luck in cricket. Every every cricketer would say you absolutely need luck. Sometimes it feels like the luck's absolutely against you. So, yeah, anything I can I can do to, to bring a little bit of luck, to bring some, some lucky vibes to the side, then, yeah, I think that's, that's what I'm all about. It's those marginal gains, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and most of it's upstairs. Most of it's all mental and, and trying to trying to trick yourself that yeah you're in the perfect spot to to score runs and do well. But yeah, it, it kind of creates a bit of a life of its own sometimes. And and a few teammates like to have a laugh at, at the way I I prepare and. and have everything laid out and, and just how I like it but yeah it's, it's kind of to me it's, it's just become I guess my normal and, and what cricket brings for me. Now you've already mentioned that, that you've done some cricket commentary and I just wondered how you managed to juggle your cricket commitments and commentary which, which is increasing and also you've got a part-time role as a librarian how do you make it all fit together? <laughs> not well sometimes, not well, but I'm lucky in, in my librarian job. I'm only part-time there, which which helps, but they also have a really supportive workplace. They, they've been awesome in, in terms of giving me time off work and, and adjusting start times and, and days worked so I can fit in the commentary, fit in playing, but also manage to get to trainings on time and, and not miss out on, on any of that stuff as well. So... They've, they've been really supportive and definitely couldn't couldn't do it without a supportive um, workplace. Probably couldn't even play domestic cricket without a supportive workplace now, the, the time constraints that, that are kind of around that. And, yeah, it was just I had to be a bit more organised than I'd probably been in, in years gone by. Lucky, this is the first season we, we've had double headers with our, our Super Smash T20 competition here, so would mean that I would play the, the first game of the day with the women's game and then, um, yeah, straight off the field into the ice baths uh, in the team debrief and then uh, straight up into some, some nicer clothing and, and into the commentary box. So it was it was an exciting uh, way to do it. It was pretty, it was pretty fatiguing at times as well and, and definitely easier to go into the, the commentary box when you've had a good day and the team's had a good win and a little bit harder when, when it hasn't all gone to plan and, and hasn't all gone smoothly. But I think it probably helped my cricket as well to be to be so involved and uh, really feel like I I had a really good chance to, to showcase women's cricket and what we're all about and, and I guess for me total cricket geek it's 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 dream job you're sitting in the commentary box you've generally got the one of the best views in the house you're getting to talk cricket and yeah you're spending your day talking cricket with other people who are who are fanatical and in love with the game so 
it was it was a really good experience and then from that followed on into some international cricket which was just brilliant in itself to be able to to work with uh, I guess the A team of, of commentary here and, and I mean Simon Dolan and Ian Smith are at the World Cup right now and I think they've they've been brilliant I think shows the standard of broadcasting got to do some work in radio as well with Jeremy Coney and Brian Waddle who are they're kind of the voices of my childhood I guess so lots of lots of pinch myself moments along the way and yeah it's it's it was kind of just dream come true to to get up into the commentary box yes it must be interesting to be working with people as you say childhood heroes when you're speaking to these people that that suddenly they become real and they're human that 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 must be that must be difficult when you've got a job to do as well oh absolutely there are definitely some some fangirl moments going on I think it, it was just yeah it was, it was kind of that that pinch yourself moment and, and I'll be honest I, I'd heard some some pretty negative stuff around how women had been treated in, in sports media and the commentary box all that kind of stuff we'd, we'd had a few women uh, who were involved in the commentary the season before who, who were treated pretty savagely uh, in social media and, and some of the comments and and Facebook pages that that were set up, kind of against their involvement and getting pretty personal in their their attacks of them. So, yeah, there, there's kind of those things to be mindful of. But I, I honestly don't have a bad word to say. The the Sky crew, the radio sport crew here in New Zealand, they they've just been brilliant. Uh, everyone's been really keen to to help out and to pass on little little tidbits and little bits of knowledge and, and little things that, that they learned when they were new on the job and then yeah it's just it's just sitting back and, and enjoying being involved and enjoying picking the brains of, of some of a lot of New Zealand superstars that have been involved in cricket and then have been involved in sports broadcasting I like to joke with, with Ian Smith that he's been doing it for longer than I've been alive so it's, uh, there's always there's always things to be learning and it is exciting it's exciting to, to hopefully show as well for, for young girls that, you know, now there's women's credit on TV that if you can't see it, I don't think you can ever truly dream that, that you can be it. So to have the, the cricket on TV, to have female broadcasters, female commentators, and not just not just a, a pretty face on the sideline doing sideline interviews, but actually really getting into it and holding your own with the men and saying that, heck, this, this is a career for women. So, yeah, I'm hopeful that, that there are some, some young girls out there who are, who are watching it and who see it and who, who hopefully are aspiring to, to grow up and be it and, and it's been it's been awesome to be part of it's been awesome to see how, how both Sky TV and Radio Sport have, have really pushed for the inclusion of, of women as well and, and really set us up to be be as successful as possible and, and the guys in the com box have been great they've been they've been inclusive they love to, to give you give you a bit of uh, a bit of lip from time to time and wind you up but yeah it's just uh, they're, they're a good bunch and then to sit around and, and have a drink and and a meal together at the end of the game and, and talk cricket and talk experiences and and stuff that they've been involved in. It's just been it's been an awesome learning curve and, and hopefully means that I can be involved for a wee bit longer. I, I was going to ask you, is, is that the plan post-playing career that, that you want to get into commentary? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure exactly where I'll end up. I mean, I never thought I'd, I'd end up as a, as a librarian for one and, and here I am doing that. So, yeah, I'm not too sure exactly where the future 
which will take me. But yeah, I think I absolutely. I've I've loved being involved in the commentary, and my my mum. I, I don't remember it, but my mum likes to tell me when I was when I was a youngster back in primary school that I'd sit there and and, and watch the cricket that was on TV and just say to her. Oh, mum, being the commentator must be the coolest job in the world, mum. Must be so cool. They just get to travel everywhere and talk about cricket and watch cricket. What a cool job. So I guess, you know, eight, ten-year-old me had had the, the idea in mind and thought it would be brilliant, but but, but probably didn't see it as, as a career move for me just, just because potentially you, you didn't see women in, in sports media back then. So, yeah, I, th- I think I'd, I'd love to, to continue being involved with it. At the moment, it definitely is the, the best job in the world and, and maybe that'll change once I've done it for as long as, as Smithy's done it. But, yeah, I would definitely like to have a good crack at it and there's plenty of, of female cricket commentators who are who I think are not only holding their own in, in the world of, of cricket commentary, but excelling as well. So I'd love eventually to, to get up to that standard and, and to be mentioned alongside those women. And I guess end goal is for, for people to, to compliment you on your work and, and not give you, oh, you're doing a great job as a commentator for a woman. Um, for it actually just to be a, a gender neutral job where where people just say yeah yeah that's you you've got a good voice for it you've got good ideas you have good conversations you can paint a picture that's that's who we want involved in the team. Well, Frankie, I've really enjoyed chatting today. I really hope that you keep pushing those boundaries because sex of a commentator should be absolutely irrelevant. It should be about their knowledge and what they can bring to the game extra to what what people are seeing on the screen so i really hope you continue to do that and best of luck with your playing career and hope the ankle gets better soon oh thank you very much serious cricket the uk's number one cricket specialist for personalized team wear equipment and coaching find out more at seriouscricket.co.uk and use promo code pod for 10 percent off your first order i'm mary waldron and you're listening to the cricket people podcast Before we move on to the next interview, I would like to thank the good people at Serious Cricket for supporting the podcast. Please check out their website and make sure that you use the promo code for your purchases. Next up is Ireland's wicketkeeper Mary Waldron. Currently Mary is playing in the Women's T20 International Quadrangular Series in the Netherlands. Mary was recently awarded a playing contract by Ireland Cricket and has been a regular in their squad since 2010. The interview was recorded on the day after the Cricket World Cup final, so I may sound a bit tired. Firstly, I wanted to go back to... The days before cricket, you had a successful football career. You you were capped for the Republic of Ireland, and then suddenly you decided to switch to cricket. And I just wondered, how did that occur? Yeah, it was it was very unusual to be fair. And most most people in Ireland get into cricket through their family, so I was a I'm an unusual case. But I one of my best friends in university in Dublin, um, she's Irish, but grew up in South Africa. And she loved cricket. Now, to me, it was like such a foreign sport. I was like, when you stop talking about cricket, I don't care about it. But I ended up going. I think I, I think I kind of maybe went to watch a few matches um, just because we were friends and I was boarding or whatever. And then I think I ended up going to a training session. So I'm, I'm kind of sporty anyway. I'd, I'd have a go at any any sport. And it just kind of grew from there. So then I was got to about 25 and I always played kind of socially, but our wiki keeper for my club team happened to be an archaeologist, which was pretty random. But she went on away away on a dig through the summer, so they needed a wiki keeper, and they just kind of I wasn't afraid of the ball and kind of I fairly agile, I guess. And they're like, "You do," and I was like, "Okay." So from the next summer, then I was playing for Ireland, so it was a 
was, I was fairly fortunate, really, to fall into it. I mean, do you miss football or is cricket yeah. your life now? Yeah, do you know what? It's funny. I every, every now and again, I miss football. But if I, I think if I wasn't playing cricket, I'd miss football. But because my time is occupied and, you know, I, I get to train. I'm now I'm semi-contracted now, which is brilliant. So I spend a lot of time doing it. Um, and obviously with with that, we've got strength and conditioning and gym and all that kind of stuff, which is which I love doing. So I do miss. I feel like I feel like I'm a better footballer than I am a cricketer. So I miss I've been into, you know do whatever I want with a ball and stuff like that and being in, like where cricket's still quite a challenging sport for me and I'm hopefully getting better but I feel like yeah sometimes I miss like you know scoring goal or a slide tackle or something but overall I I love cricket now I wouldn't I, I wouldn't change it I, I was surprised that you, you'd become a wicket keeper because of football and, and sort of reading about you scoring goals and it just seems it's a different discipline wicket keeper um, so I, I was surprised that, that, that you you stumped up for that yeah it is like yeah it's completely different because people always assume I was a goalkeeper in in football because I'm a keeper in cricket but it was just happened to be this um the captain was like you do it essentially and I think it is like um because I wasn't afraid of the ball and and I was I know definitely as a wicketkeeper I would dive for and I think actually with with female players sometimes they won't, you know, kind of throw themselves to stop the ball and stuff like that. So I kind of went, I went a bit backwards around learning how to wicketkeeper and I learned around footwork after I was a wicketkeeper, if that makes sense. So it was more that I wasn't afraid to afraid to stop the ball that maybe strain down leg and stuff like that. Well, it's something that you, you've excelled at since since you moved over. You, you've played 40 one-day internationals, you've played 51 T20 internationals. How, how long do you think you can keep on representing Ireland? I that's a great question <laughs> I do feel like it, it's one of those things I do feel like I'm still getting better at cricket um because I was always picked as a wicketkeeper um and now hopefully I'd be selected as a wicketkeeper batter so and obviously the op- opportunity now I've had with being contracted um part-time and I really enjoy that that aspect of the game the extra training and stuff like that so I mean I don't know I'm 35 now I'm by far the oldest in the squad. I obviously have the potential of an umpiring career that playing might get in the way of. So I don't know the answers, to be honest. But I, I'm still really, really enjoying playing and I think that's the main thing. Uh, I don't want to think too far ahead. On the subject of the of the co- contract um, that, that you, you're on now, the, the contract list, how important is that for women's cricket in Ireland and, and I guess the, the wider game for women in general? And, and how would you like to see it develop? Um, well, I think for us it's massively important because the the way the ICC Championship is changing after the 21 World Cup, the, the championship is moving to a 10 team, and we're currently ranked 10. So I think it's it's having those contracts is imperative to us and, and holding on to that ranking to stay in that championship. Otherwise, the gap is going to grow. I mean, you can kind of see it now between ourselves and Bangladesh and the the other nations. I mean, you can say it about the top three as well from the rest, but at least they're having that opportunity of playing playing home and away against these teams over a two-year period, which I think is it's so valuable. And you can see with teams like, you know, like Pakistan and South Africa and stuff like that, how much they're coming on. So so for us as a cricket nation, I think the contracts is they're so, so important. Overall for cricket, I think it's in on sport in general, I said it's a huge amount of times, but I think it sends a real message um to other sports and to and to the country that, you know, they Cricket Ireland take their women cricketers seriously, 
and it's not just a little bit of lip service here about women's sport or anything like that. It's a, it's a, it's a real, it's a statement, I think. And it's, it's, I, I'm so impressed by Cricket Ireland that they've done it, and I'm really proud to be part of it. Um, I mean, what's the setup like in oh, Ireland exactly, for, yeah. for women's cricket, Mary? Uh, um, yeah. Just so you can give us an, an idea of of, of where where it yeah. is at the moment. So yeah, there's huge scope for growth, um, because we're we're so Ireland to be split up into four four provinces essentially, so like four states, um, and women's cricket, ninety five percent of the team comes from one area, so right, um, from Leinster. So there are there's a fairly strong club competition there. Um, I think there's eight teams in first division, but we've got three divisions. Now the division three would be very much your beginner league, but um, and there's a decent enough underage structure um, and then from that there's a, we have a competition called Super 3s so essentially it'd be like we, we because it, because one state is very strong there's not enough for the other so we just basically take a pool and make three even teams so even-ish um, so that's our um, that's our kind of inter-pro domestic between club and country and then there's a little bit so Ulster is another um, another state that has a little bit that's only really developing and they've a handful, maybe five or six teams in the, in the north. So that's an area because it's quite strong for the men. So it's definitely an area that they can grow because they always have, already have cricket clubs there and stuff like that. So has um, it, but has it, huge, huge room for development. Has it grown as a spectator sport, Mary? What are the crowds like when, when you guys are playing matches? Um, yeah, I think it has now. I wouldn't say that there's thousands and thousands of people coming, but there's definitely a growth now. The only thing is I didn't for a long, I'd say for the first maybe five years that I played for Ireland, I didn't play a home international. So, you know, there, it's hard to kind of, um, you know, gauge that really. But definitely over the last, you know, two or three years, there's been more people. Now, they've, Cricket Ireland have put more in, into kind of showing it off and, and advertising it and stuff like that and with with Ireland getting test status I think the just the awareness of cricket has grown within Ireland as well. So when you finally decide to hang up the gloves um, I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> that umpiring is, is what you want to do um, and I, I just wondered how did you get into umpiring? It seems it seems a thankless yeah. task. <laughs> yeah it's a really I, I do appreciate how unusual it is that I umpire but it is, I have to say, I really, really enjoy it. And because I'd normally, like, if I'm in Ireland, only this year, obviously, I've been contracted, but I'd normally have a nine to five office job and then I'd go and umpire at the weekend. So it's kind of, you know, umpiring in your free time seems ridiculous, but I really enjoy it. So I don't mind doing it. But I actually, I went to Tasmania for a summer and I was helping coach a team there. And it was, it was a brand new under 17 league. And to the whoever was coaching had to umpire it as well, so you had to do your basic level one. So I just randomly did it because I kind of had to. And then when I came back to Ireland, I was doing cricket development officer for my club Malahide, and part of that was I actually had to umpire our boys under 15 games, which is kind of a normal thing if you're anyway coaching in Ireland. You kind of score and umpire the game at the same time. So. But I loved that my favorite part of the job was umpiring. So I actually went back as enough to go back to Tasmania again. And I asked them to train me properly, and they did. So it was just from there. So cricket tiles were brilliant. I have to say, very, um, very supportive, and sent me out with all the state umpire guys for a few weeks, and they taught me quite well. I think. Yeah, because I mean, I think it's three years you've done in Australian grade cricket. Am I right in thinking? And and this year you've done a, a first grade match 
I just wondered how how you were received by by the men, Mary. Do you see anything unsavoury, or are you or are you just um, judged on your merits? Um, do you know what I have say? Yeah, because I do. I do get asked this question actually a bit, just in in general about how the guys see me. But I I've since moved to South Australia, um. So yeah, I've done three seasons there. But I always did grade cricket, as in it was my first year doing the two day format. So I've done a bit of T Twenty A grade and stuff like that. But they the guys have been fine. I have to say absolutely fine now whether they are what they're saying in the dressing room or inside that I've no idea but out on the pitch I have to say I don't feel in any way disrespected or anything like that there's definitely the odd question but I feel like they would ask if I was a male umpire they'd ask me the same question I, I don't feel like they're they're questioning me you know as a woman I feel like they're questioning me as an umpire which is they're more than entitled to do that in in a respectful way but I do, I have to say there's one difference. I think sometimes they turn around and they might swear or something and they, they, they're they like, well, I'm not sure if I can say that to a, to a woman. So I think there is that side of things. But I have to say, I, I don't ever feel like I'm um, I'm disrespected on the pitch, which is I credit to the lads, I guess. I think I've listened to too many episodes of the Great Cricketer podcast. It sounds like they reserve <laughs> the insults for, for the playing side of it and the umpires seem to get away pretty good then. Yeah, yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those. And actually, from I, I really struggled. I, I'm surprised I never got reported as a player. So, I do have a little bit of empathy for for players when things don't go their way. I was going to say that must make it easier having played at at such a high level. To you, you, you've got you've got that empathy. You, you you kind of know what's you know the the players are going through if there's if there's an appeal and and they're they're pretty sure it's bang on and you and you don't give it. You must have part of you must feel feel for them. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. There's there's so many aspects to it, and like reporting and stuff and and emotions. Like sports, such an emotional thing, and I think it's incredible um, the respect levels in cricket that there's not more. Like I think there's obviously the demerit points in there for a reason, but in terms of because I obviously come from football, and the refs get abused constantly, like you know, for ninety minutes. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I think cricket's a cricket's a great sport for that, and actually teaching a bit of you know self respect and and that kind of stuff. I think it's it's brilliant. But yeah, if somebody gets a bit heated, I can kind I can understand where they're coming from. Like I'm like yeah, but I'm I'm also I've got to be fair to to both um, batter and bowler and, and use my best judgment in every case. But I, like if someone's a bit upset, I fully understand. There's like there's there's plenty of occasions where I've disagreed with an umpire and. And stuff like that. It's one of those. It's one of those. It's part of cricket, actually. It's it's um it's another fascinating a- aspect to the sport. Now you are on the ICC development panel of umpires. That sounds very important. What what, what is actually involved in that? What what is it? That's yeah. <laughs> That's actually very well put. <laughs> sounds very important. But <laughs> I guess um so la- last summer I actually did the men's European T Twenty qualifiers um. So I did the, the European ones, the kind of regional ones, and then I got up on the panel. So I just basically did the next level. But I think it's that I'm on the radar and I can be assessed and I get access to their online online tools and stuff like that. So basically, I'm in the ICC pathway, essentially. Uh, and that's what it is. So it's it's brilliant. I mean, it's um, I'm very lucky to be part of it. How far do you think you can go as an umpire, Mary? I mean, do you think you can sort of crack the glass ceiling and and go all the way to sort of to the top or do you think that that's not feasible 
Um, it's an interesting one. Like, I mean, a lot of what I do is like, I'm just not sure. I know you mentioned when I, you know, stopped playing, so I'd like to umpire. But again, hopefully there's that opportunity to do it full time because, you know what I mean? I might want to umpire, but is it going to pay the bills? It's one of those. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to make it onto the ICC elite panel, but whether that is feasible, only time will tell. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll certainly go for it, whether whether I make it or not, or the powers that be think it's suitable or not. That's uh, it's only there's only one way to find out. Well, I mean, what do you what do you think the barriers are? Or, or is it is it about experience? Is is it about perception that women maybe aren't as good yeah. as yeah. men? Is is, it, is is that does that need breaking down? Because um, you know, again, I think I think it's for me whether you're a man or a woman, and if you, you've just got to apply the rules. So I can't personally. I can't see why why it would be. Um, you know, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, no, it's definitely um, an experience thing. And um, and there is definitely perception in there. So it's up to, I mean, I'm very lucky I've been involved with Cricket Ireland and, and with South Australia um, associations and, sorry, and, and Cricket Leinster at home as well. But they're very like, they don't mind putting me into those situations and they're, and they're very happy to give me big mail um, games. Like I'm doing my first um, first class game in Ireland in a few weeks. So, you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't put me into that situation if they didn't think I could do it. So again, but that's all gathering experience. Um so the more the more opportunity I get to do those games, the more experience I'll get. We're breaking down those barriers and the perceptions that um, you know, women aren't as good as men, but at, at the same time whilst I'm doing that I have to do a good job as any other umpire would wanting to climb the ranks. So I think I think I think women in sport in general, um, the profile is becoming is becoming better. So I think, I'm sorry, and just in society in general. So I think over the next few years, it's going to be more of an experience situation rather than a perception. But yeah, I hope um, so. Someone, someone I, else has to do it, I guess. Yeah. I hope so too. I hope it's about capability rather than anything else, really, because for me, gender shouldn't shouldn't be in the equation. It should be, yeah. as you say, how how good you do it. Um, so I suppose based on how good you do it, how do you manage to way up your time how do, you, how do you do what you need to do you, you're playing internationally you're umpiring internationally that that must cause you a hell of a problem with scheduling um it's not too bad actually once um i normally get my international playing schedule first and then i work back from that and then my our kind of um the super threes competition that i mentioned before that that's then next. Now I did actually miss one Super Threes game to play, or sorry, to umpire the men's T Twenty qualifiers in Guernsey. So I wouldn't normally do that, but it was again, it was two weeks of cricket for the ICC. So I, I just weigh weigh it up. What's going to be kind of more beneficial and stuff like that. So, and then unfortunately, I miss a bit of club cricket um, for umpiring. But I do also um, now having the extra two days a week to train and stuff being being contracted. I can kind of make up that those sessions. How do you see the rest of your playing career going? And and um, and I think we have sort of touched on this a little bit about your own playing career. What, yeah. what 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 do you want to do? Or or is it that you know the you, know, you did say that you you had got an office job at one point? Um, are yeah. you going to stay in cricket? Yeah, I would say like I still work now as well. I I actually work for the Players Association in Ireland. Um, oh, yeah, I don't like to look too far into the future. That's. Uh, <laughs> That's the most important. But we've got World Cup qualifiers at the end of August into September for the T20 World Cup. 
Um, we obviously want to qualify from that then go play in the Women's World Cup, the T20 in February, March in Australia. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my my main focus at the minute and what my kind of immediate goal is long term then I guess there's um, sorry mid, mid to long term there's the ODI World Cup in New Zealand you know there's only eight teams in that do we qualify we'll have to play absolutely brilliantly hopefully we will you know it's we've got a new coach now at Ireland does he does he stick with me there's, all, there's like there's a lot of variables within cricket I mean I do really enjoy the umpiring I'd absolutely love to do that full time when I, when I finish playing, but if that's feasible, who knows? But I definitely, I'm definitely not one for for worrying about a bank balance. That's you know that that's never my um, my motivation. It's always enjoyment. So if I, you know, if I can do that even part time, I'll I'll do that. Well, I'm still, I'll always do wh- whatever I'm enjoying. That's what I'll do. Is there a possibility that you'll find another sport that you didn't know you were good at and then become an international <laughs> at that? Um. <laughs> I, w- I won't say I won't say never. I actually looked at a golf um, a golf stick yesterday. I was like, oh, I should probably play golf now. Um, but no, I mean, I love I, as I said earlier. I'm still, I feel like I'm still getting better at cricket. So who knows? Yeah, I'm definitely mid thirties. I definitely can't take up anything else now. <laughs> well, I think whatever you choose to do, Matty, you're going to succeed because you just seem to be one of those people that that's really good at whatever they choose to do. So I, I shall be hoping that the umpiring career goes well, and hopefully the playing career for Ireland goes well as well so thank you for taking time to speak to me today really enjoyed it brilliant you're very kind and thanks for those nice words it is the end of the second podcast i really enjoyed speaking to francis and mary i hope that they help to move the game forward and inspire girls and women to start playing the game next week's episode features richard stemp and benny howell richard played for worcestershire yorkshire nottinghamshire and leicestershire also he was selected to play for england in 1994 but was left out of the final 11 to face new zealand at trent bridge benny is best known for his white ball exploits he has aspirations to break into England's white ball setup, and you can hear all about it next week. Please make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your preferred podcast app. If you have any feedback about the podcast, please contact me via Twitter or via my website. On Twitter, I am at Jay Northall, and the podcast is at cricket underscore pod. Please give both accounts a follow if you aren't already. My website is jonathannorthall.com if you want to email instead. Thanks once again for listening, and speak to you next time.